0: Get your song facts Get you some facts right here Get your song facts Hello 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 and happy new year to all of you Welcome to the Song Facts Podcast I am your host Corey O'Flanagan and as always this podcast is proudly a part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Please Feel free to subscribe, leave us a review, let us know how we're doing, tell a friend, that'd be great. Because on the show today, I am so delighted to talk to the soulful and just the crazy talented Chris Pierce, also known as Reverend Talltree. Chris takes us into his songwriting process, whether it be for TV, rock operas, or anthemic activism. We learn about how he literally went death as a teenager and how that low point in his life has helped him in his long and successful career. I can't wait for you to hear all that he has to say and even more so, listen to him perform three songs live for us on the show. So please, please enjoy Chris Pierce.
1: I know time will take its toll have to pay for the love we stole
0: all right so we are here with Chris Pierce who's you know what is it you also go by the uh the name Reverend Tree. is that you or would you would, is that the band well it's, it's a little bit of both it's uh the the,
1: the, the full name of the band is Reverend Tree and the Blackstrap Brothers okay um, Yeah, but uh, I've been going by uh, Tall Tree has been a nickname of mine since I was a a kid. And I became ordained about 25 years ago to do at first just weddings of friends and stuff like that. Um, And it got deeper and I started doing more studying of uh, different traditions and uh, getting asked to do a lot of beautiful things. So Reverend Tall Tree just kind of blossomed. Uh, Tall Tree came from Ojai, California, originally. Um, Mm I was retreat and a sweat lodge there. Um, and uh, <laughs> and uh, the guy that was leading the, the sweat hadn't seen me in a while. And he said, you're growing like a tall tree. And it just kind of stuck. <laughs>
0: I love it. Yeah. Yeah. What a great nickname. So um, one of the things that I've got to say just right off the bat, and I found this so interesting when I was starting to do a little bit of research on you. So my girlfriend and I are literally, I think tonight, going to finish the last two episodes of um, True Blood. Oh, wow. And I found out after researching you, and if I'm wrong, tell me, but your wife, Tara Buck, has a recurring role on, right? She's great.
1: That's right. That's right. She's actually over here in the next room. <laughs>
0: oh, amazing. So yeah. phenomenal. So yeah, this is, and I was like, I was like, I'm pretty sure I'm connecting the right dots here. I hope I've got the right Chris Pierce. And I just was like, I told my girlfriend, she was just like, that's amazing. We're just like loving her character and just loving the show right now. We had, It's obviously been out for a while, but we just circled back to it now. And, um, but you've done some music, or at least a song for that show, as well as quite a few others. And I'm just wondering if you can share with me and the audience, how do you get a song on a show? How does, it, does that process work differently all the time? Uh, well, it, it does. It's different all the time. But, but first of all,
1: let me just uh, quickly uh, go circle back and say that uh, my wife, Tara, is incredible at what she does. She's done so much. She has an incredible body of work. Yeah. Um, she's so dedicated to her craft, it, it inspires me. Uh, Every day to watch her and see her and and grow with her Um, as an artist, as two artists living uh, under a roof. It's uh, it's just she's just incredible. Uh, She was shooting a TV show yesterday and she has a movie coming out with uh, Mark Wahlberg uh, soon. Oh, amazing. uh, Called uh, called Meet Joe Bell. Um, And uh, anyway, so but uh, I can't say enough about her. But yeah,
0: good for um, you. Kudos to Tara.
1: Yeah, um, but yeah, as far as placing TV and film, uh, music and TV and film, it's been quite a journey for me. Uh, I started my first kind of placement was on a show called uh, Dawson's Creek, oh, uh, yeah. way back in the day. And uh, it was a song, that, uh, a song of mine called Are You Beautiful? And that song was placed, uh, it was a friend of a friend through a music manager. Um, that I was working with. Um, And then, uh, and that was around 2003, I think. Uh, And then uh, around 2004, uh, I started working with an actual firm, a music placement firm. Um, And uh, what they do is they just kind of get the word out through their relationships and and take a cut. Uh, And so, and that kind of blossomed into You know, national and international commercials, uh, other big shows, Um, and then I've had uh, you know a couple different record deals where they've had their own people within the record label structure. Okay. Um, So
0: there's a couple different antennas that go out there and kind of make these connections happen.
1: Yeah, but you know, I I think that some of the biggest stuff, uh, biggest meaning widest reach, um, for me have happened through personal relationships, um, that have, that, uh, people that I've either reached out to or a friend of a friend or that I've followed up on or, or just gotten just extremely, you know, it's just a, something that dropped from the sky, like the, this is us thing. Um, yep. uh, I met a guy, uh, Oh, 10 years prior to when I wrote a song for this is us in Austin, Texas. Uh, at South by Southwest, okay. and he was a friend of a friend. He was a friend of uh, Rami Antoon, who was the drummer for uh, Gold Spot, who was their band, and Seal, when I was touring with Seal as uh-huh. opening act around the world, Rami introduced me to Sid, who was the lead singer of Gold Spot. <laughs> 10 years later, Sid calls me up, 10 years, and says, uh, Hey, Chris, I hope this is still your number. I'm, I'm working on uh, uh, music for this TV show, This Is Us. Uh, you probably have never heard of it, which I hadn't. And he said, I've got to write a soul song. And I thought of you from your show at South by Southwest 10 years ago. Um, anyway, I was, in my, I was in my truck quicker than, than uh, than the, this. you know, I was in my truck within 10 minutes. And driving up there, we wrote the song and it just blossomed into this big song on the show and it was on the billboard chart and yeah nominated and all this stuff uh which you know maybe we'll get to but but yeah my my point is each and every way i just started working with a new company in the u.s called Rolo grady who's out pitching uh this new album that i'm working on and uh and yeah just hoping for the best and and of course if anything comes my way i'll pass the ball and relay it and uh and every I think if it's the best when everybody the kind of universe kind of brings everybody together and everybody works together and and it's kind of uh and dances together to make good things happen.
0: It's almost like in the same realm as somebody getting recognized as an actor, right? Like that's just like the what I would think of as a like a scout that's looking for someone to fill a role. They're like I saw this guy in this toothpaste commercial and he just has the face that we're looking for so let's bring him in and this guy from 10 years ago comes to you and is like i remember your voice i think that you can convey the emotion that we want so the song that you you're referencing is we can always come back to this
1: Oh, Let it be with you.
0: Um, which obviously performed on this is us and so besides just kind of how you got to it lyrically what's kind of that song's formation did you write did they give you a scene did you write it for this specific episode or how did that work
1: yeah, basically, uh, the, the guy that reached out to me, Sid, got hired as the composer for the show. Um, the episode was written and filmed, and uh, the episode was about a guy um, uh, who was having some a lot of issues, personal issues and issues with his family, and there was a, a uh, a flashback scene where it went back to I think it was 1970 or 1969 in Memphis, mm-hmm. and uh, it was a story of how this hit song, hit soul song, was written with he and his friends and and uh, and some of his family, um, and so we needed to, we needed to write that song, that hit song.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, oh, so you got yeah. pressure to write a hit.
1: <laughs> right, right. It was like yeah, the song that they, it was the kind of the them writing it and then it the song turning into this big you know soul song hit so um that immediately resonated with me uh you know i lost my my dad several years ago and he was a really big into music and very soulful guy and Mm -hmm. honestly when i saw the picture of the scene this the actor immediately reminded me of of my dad Okay. so it, it was just it, to me. It was just meant to be. I started drawing from some of those experiences and emotions with with him and with my own uh, uh, experience from loss. Uh, at the end of the episode, uh, he passes, um, okay. and it was literally just just something. I just feel like it was meant to be. And so I sat down with Sid, and uh, we just started plucking it out. I think within within an hour. We were uh, sum- we submitted it to the executive producers, and wow. they loved. it. And then uh, the next week, we were recording it with um, an actor named Brian Tyree Henry, who was uh, he's he's widely known. He's been nominated for all kinds of awards and he's done all kinds of work. But uh, he's on a TV show, Atlanta, uh, and yeah. he's known his uh, his role as Paperboy. boy. Uh, He's a rapper. Um, yeah. <laughs> and he did a beautiful job. We played it uh, in the studio and he sang a version of it um, and acted in the show. They stuck me in the scene as the backup guitar player in the show, which was really fun. <laughs> uh, and then about a week later it aired, a week or two later it aired, and uh, it was number one on the Billboard Blues chart and it stayed there for four weeks.
0: Amazing. And
1: during that time they decided that They wanted me to do an acoustic version uh, playing and singing that they'd use on the next episode, so I did that. Um, And then they used another version of of our song (laughs) by a woman named Hannah Miller from Nashville. Um, Mm -hmm. And so there were three different versions of the song on the show, which was a beautiful thing. And and a few months later, we were playing it on the Emmy stage uh, with the orchestra. to a standing ovation at the end. I mean, the whole thing was just like a uh, uh, magic carpet ride. <laughs> yeah,
0: which is a great performance. I actually saw that on um, YouTube. I think yesterday I was watching that, and that's just there's so much energy. You just killed the vocal. Oh, thank you. And um, yeah, what a what an absolutely amazing song. And I, I think that for me, and probably a lot of people listening, just. I think that there's this vision of people writing songs, right? You're just kind of like hold up by yourself, yeah. trying to like dig them out, clawing out the music on a guitar, or piano, whatever it might be, searching for the lyrics to go with it. And there's all these different paths and avenues to get there. And this is just another one that's brand new to this show and, and honestly brand new to me. Of, And it's, it's almost just this serendipitous thing of you wrote a hit to write a hit like you you were <laughs> they told you to write a hit and you you did it you took it literally and you did it for the for the show too it was just what an amazing story um so let's go back a little bit chris uh-huh. you grew up in southern california yeah you said your dad was a really soulful guy what kind of music was going on in the house or with your family and everything
1: well i come from a, a very diverse background uh you know my father being of african-american descent primarily and my mother uh, Caucasian. Um, and, uh, they grew up, they had completely, completely different experiences growing up. My dad mm-hmm. in the South of the U.S., my mother in the North, uh, different upbringings, different music, different experiences, um, and, uh, their bravery and, and love brought them together at a time when, uh, it was, uh, still legal in many, much of the U.S. to, to, for them to be together. And yeah. So they really uh, uh, surrounding our house, they turned each other on to a lot of stuff. So my dad was mostly uh, deep soul, uh, uh, Solomon Burke, uh, James Carr, uh, Nina uh, and a lot of jazz. you know he was he was wasn't really into a lot of like in the, the free jazz scene but there was mm-hmm. a lot of, a lot of Coltrane uh going on a lot of like bebop a lot of Charlie Parker and stuff like that okay um, and uh and then my mother uh you know just like Led Zeppelin and Paul Simon and yeah. a lot of Paul McCartney and uh uh Joni Mitchell and <laughs> and so they were I i literally i I'd They'd sit there, I remember from being really young, we have these memories from you know, before we could walk. Yeah. There, a lot of their bonding during, you know, the after dinner always was, they'd sit down and play records. And it got to the point where my mother says, before I could walk, I'd crawl to records and help them pick out records, um, vinyl, and they'd put it on and we'd all uh, dance. And so I, I have this recollection so of, cool. Music and those songs being something that really it, they, it, it, it the it that experience of songs and music being family and togetherness to me, and you know my folks weren't together for a long time, and and I feel like one of the reasons and one of the things that got me into songwriting was that feeling yeah of of uh. I know how this feels. I'd like to feel it again. And I'd like to uh, pass it on to other people uh, and hopefully to hopefully create memories with them as well.
0: Man, that's so good. That's just, that. that's such a great just family story of, of just those kinds of memories that I think that I have, you know, my parents kind of had that Fleetwood Mac Beatles, Rolling Stones. I just kind of came from that kind of a background and I wished. I think I wish that there would have been a little bit more jazz because it's something that I really got into once I got a little bit older. But I had to go out and find it for myself. But yeah. you went to USC and really got into it there and and studied jazz. Pretty what that was your major, right?
1: Jazz yeah, studies. Yeah. That that was a heavy time for me. I <laughs> I, I, I. Long story short, a couple of years before that, I started losing my hearing. Uh, really? very rapidly and I ended up uh, uh, you know certified deaf um, in both years and I was around 15 and it was just devastating and I had all these plans to tour and go to school and do all this stuff so you were was- a
0: singer at this time yeah already
1: yeah I was pretty deep in it I you know appeared on television shows and was singing and I had just appeared on the Natalie Cole show uh, it was a singing competition and, uh, competed against R. Kelly of all people and okay. <laughs> uh, and then yeah and then all of a sudden everything was silent and it was like panic um, and so um, I got diagnosed with otosclerosis which is a you know, inner ear uh, bone deformation which basically makes you deaf um, and I was able to have a surgery on my right ear and regain a lot of my hearing 70 something percent. Wow. Um, and then uh, they told me they wanted to wait uh, for the left ear. So, um, so it was kind of like I had to learn sounds and singing and how playing and what everything felt like really quickly in order to get ready to to audition to go to USC and um, consider maybe you know pulling up my bootstraps and and marching on in the music world and. Um, And I did it. Uh, I just I just put my head down and 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 told myself I love music this much. I want to pursue it in college. I want to keep trying to do it. And uh, and I got into USC. I was the first vocal jazz uh, major ever accepted. And um, and uh, it it just kind of the story goes from there. I started touring. I got picked up by a band called Sonia Dada to tour with them. That was Mm -hmm. my first tour. And long story short, long story longer, I should actually say. <laughs> That's
0: all right. That's a good story. <laughs>
1: uh, you know, 30 years later, uh, I uh, I decided to, I, I'd been deaf in my left ear the whole time uh, during my career, and I decided to get a, a surgery. Uh, that was, this was a couple years ago, and it worked for about a week, and then it went away. Uh, okay. So there was a lot of reflection of, to back in that time of thinking about school and going to school. And, and I feel like in a lot of ways it really empowered me thinking, you know, this happened when I was a kid. I have overcame it. I got a scholarship to go to school. I've been touring around for 30 years. Yeah. And, and uh, to not think about what limits us as, as uh as things that should, should halt us or stop us from doing the things we love. Uh, because I feel like in a lot of ways, we're limitless. Uh, you know, we think about this word limit, and it's not really, it doesn't really, I, I don't, not really a word in my vocabulary that, that, um, that can uh, uh, argue with the human heart and the human spirit. I feel like feel like we could do anything we want to do and so I always go back to college I think yeah. about college and I think about going there and starting to sing learn about jazz and how how we I, we just we just march on and I just marched through that um, and uh, it was a great experience USC Absolutely. I mean
0: such an amazing thing to have to have that happen at that age and the the first amazing thing is that you were so focused and tunnel vision on what it is that you wanted to pursue you knew and that's something that's very unique and I think it's I think a lot of times it's a gift to have that at that age Mm -hmm. Um, and you didn't look at this you know you probably had some low times a lot of questions once that hearing's starting to go is what what is this going to be now who what can I do and then you get the surgery that works Um, and then you have to make that decision of like am I going to put in the work? And I think the maturity of someone who's 16, 17 years old to go and do that, to, to put in the work to get that audition is, I mean, that just shows what you, and that, that that there had to be such a confidence booster, I would think, like to do it, put in the work, get it. And then you're like, this math works. One plus one equals two here, because I knew that if I did this and I did this, I could achieve this. And that's probably really helped you out as you've kept going.
1: It, it, it did internally. And I, I feel like I, I kept it quiet, uh, you know, for decades until it's a couple years ago. Um, I didn't want, uh, I didn't, just didn't feel like I wanted people to have special considerations and feel like they needed to, you know, jump through hoops when they hired yeah. me for things or anything like that. So, I, so a lot of people really didn't know about it through my career until I decided to start publicly speaking about it. And, uh, I did a Ted talk about it and, um, and that really kind of opened me up and empowered me to really uh, think of it as something that could inspire others. Um, uh, you know, People of, of, that are following whatever it is they love uh, to not let anything uh, uh, stop them from doing that. Um, and that these limitations that we put on ourselves really aren't, they can be things that, that can empower us and yeah. inspire us. And make th- make us look at things differently. I feel like if I had perfect hearing throughout the years, I wouldn't pull from the same emotional space that I pull from from the gut. Um, and and that I feel like I've made a career doing that, uh, yeah. coming from a, a place from here, because uh, I really am reaching every single time. I have to in order to to, to make it you know to make it happen.
0: Stay tuned for more Song Facts Podcast right after this. Ever wonder how my voice is bouncing off your eardrums so clean and crispy? No? Well, let me tell you anyway. The Lyra Microphone by AKG brings their legendary acoustic engineering to a versatile USB mic that delivers the highest quality audio in its class, USB connection. This is good for me. Because of the simplicity and the ability to just plug and play without an interface. You may have gathered from various episodes that I am doing this show on the road, so being that I record most interviews in a different location than the last, it is good for me to know that I have a high quality, easy to transport and use USB mic like the Lyra to make sure my sound is clean. Whether you're like me and recording a podcast, a musician recording vocals or an instrument, or if you need to do a voiceover for a YouTube channel, Lyra's innovative AKG Adaptive Capsule Array adapts to your performance to record pristine audio. It has four versatile capture modes. What's a capture mode, you ask? That is how the mic picks up your voice. Just trust me, with these four options, it's really all you're going to need. With AKG Lyra, you'll be up and running in no time, no matter your experience level. There's no assembly, no need for separate audio interface, no fiddling with software settings, it just works right out of the box. And Lyra is something that is compatible with Windows, Mac, iOS, and Android devices, and all major recording softwares. So if you're looking for a mic that offers ease of use, along with a high quality sound, Check out the AKG Lyra and look no further. Get
1: facts right
0: For sure. I love it. I, I love the idea of uh, of limit not being a word in the vocabulary, too. That's <laughs> why I put a lid on it. Um, you are going to give us a couple of songs, and we're going to start... Um, with the first one here. And I think we're going to do, it's been burning for a while now. I see about five guitars behind you. So let's grab one of those. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So why don't you give us a little bit of the backstory of this song before you jump in?
1: Uh, This song was written uh, in late May
0: of 2020. Uh,
1: Pretty quickly. It was, uh, it was uh, the week of, of uh, George Floyd's, uh, brutal murder and civil unrest here in the United States. Um, uh, I live in Los Angeles and there were uh, there were marches literally down my street and on the corner and and folks being arrested for for raising their voices uh, and trying to be heard uh, to speak speak uh, against injustice and um, I was talking with my friend Mark. Malone, uh, about how angry I was, you know, looking out the window and seeing people, uh, laying on the ground with in, in handcuffs just for raising their voices and, and that how powerful songwriting can be, Yeah, we uh, speak out, um, and in our, in our way, uh, you know, there's those of us who do both, who write and get out into the streets, uh, I encourage that, and and in any event, it's like it's the songs can be a way of marching and add to the conversation. Um, and so that night, uh, uh, I had a uh, a plane for change uh, show I was doing the next day. Uh, beautiful organization that do shows all around the world. I'm sure a lot of folks have seen seen them. Stand by me was a big one they did, but they. Yeah literally bring people from all over the world with different instruments and have them play together. And, uh, I've done a few playing for change episodes with them and they had me actually do a live show the ne- that next morning. And I felt an urgency to get this song done, uh, to play at that show. Um, so that was literally the first time it was played. We recorded it and, uh, now it has over a hundred thousand views on YouTube. Wow. And, um, it's, and it's, was been played on the radio a bunch and that kind of thing, uh, so I decided to record a version of it for the new album. Um, it's a song. It's a call in, in the hopes of a re- response. It's, it's like a lot of these new songs uh, that I've I've been writing, um, and uh, yeah, it's
0: been burning for a while. Yeah, I mean, you you obviously write some good music and under the under the crunch and under the gun, man. <laughs> oh man, you know
1: I, I I I wanted to say earlier I feel like. We are talking about that show, the song for "This Is Us," and I, I feel like a lot of these songs are are, are inside of us, and uh, for a long time, sometimes, and and we compartmentalize these feelings that we have. I feel like for me personally, you know, having dealt with a lot of, oh boy, intolerance, racism, uh, uh, you know, to the point of 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 you know, being shot at, being stabbed, being thrown in jail when I was young um, for raising my voice and speaking up. And um, I feel like we compartmentalize these feelings as writers and creators, a lot of times just to survive and get along with people and get along, get on with them in in the world. And then sometimes we just get to the, the tipping point where these songs have to come out. And, and, I feel like it's like that with love songs too, and 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 all the songs we, it's it's all it's all there. We it just we, we need to kind of just be open to them coming out, uh, and putting them into song form. Yeah. Uh, sometimes different things prompt them, uh, and uh, for me a lot of these new songs for the album, were, all, were prompted this year, um, and but I feel like. They've all been kind of brewing. <laughs> we were yeah. talking about coffee earlier. Uh, <laughs> you know, they, they've all been brewing for a, a while, you know, and, and that's kind of where this came from. Burning for a while—it's about that. This this has been happening for a long time. Uh, it's nothing new. No. Uh, so the line in the song, "Glad you stopped to see," uh, which hopefully will prompt people to uh, not only fight for a day, uh, spend a lifetime of, of of reaching out to other people. Yeah. Um, and fighting fighting against injustice Good stuff Yeah, right on I'm gonna take an ear off here Woke up this morning Saw that smoke up in the sky A crowd of people watching Asking who and how and why flames are rolling down the city rolling for a mile How'd it get so bad you ask It's been burning for a while. You say it's in the eye of the beholder. Well, I'll just go and check. Now there ain't no chip up on my shoulder. Let your boot up on my neck. How these flames go so far you ask Now they've gone a thousand miles. I've got a news flash for ya. It's been burning for a while. It's been burning for a while down here. Glad you stopped to see. And ain't no water gonna douse it down until you hear from me. You say it's in the eye of the beholder. Well now I'll just go and check. Now that ain't no chip up on my shoulder, that's your boot up on my neck. They say it's in the eye of the beholder. Well, I'll just go and check. Now there ain't no chip up on my shoulder, that's your boot up on my neck. Oh! It's been burning for a while. It's been burning for a while. It's been burning. For a while, it's been burning for a while down here. Glad you stopped to see. And ain't no water gonna douse it down until you're here for me. Mm-hmm. Until you hear for me. Mm-hmm.
0: Chris. You were saying it before about if you you feel like if you maybe didn't have the problems that you had with your hearing that maybe you wouldn't be able to bring it from the depths like that and man do you go deep for some of those.
1: Oh thank you. Thank I'm you.
0: so uh I feel like so I'm like throughout this whole thing, like obviously live music is something that's really kind of gone to the wayside recently, right? And artists like you have been affected by this whole thing just like anybody else in, in a major major way but i just feel like i've just been getting these like free little concerts in my little mm-hmm. office here all <laughs> like the last few months i feel so selfish <laughs>
1: uh, hey hey you're 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 shining your light on a lot of folks that uh, like myself that don't often get that light shone upon them and and we appreciate it and uh you're gonna have a lot more of that music in your in your in your office (laughs) i hope
0: we can i hope we can so i've got a couple questions that song lyrically it doesn't surprise me at all i didn't know when it was written but when you started telling me the backstory to it of when it was written that just makes so much sense to me you have another song that um you co-wrote with hannah miller called Let Me Be Your Sunshine. Yeah. And I was listening to that this morning when I was having my morning cup of coffee Mm. and showed it to my girlfriend, and we were just like, this is so good. And then I played her um, It's Been Burning for a While, Mm. and I was like, okay, I don't know when these songs were written, but I'm guessing that Let Me Be Your Sunshine was written before It's Been Burning (laughs) for a While. Yeah. And, And it seems to me that Let Me Be Your Sunshine is the antidote to the warning that you're singing about in Burning. That's absolutely correct. Absolutely correct. Let Me Be Your
1: Sunshine, uh, I wrote with Hannah in Nashville, and uh, I was passing through on a tour, and uh, we got together in a studio, and it was uh, about two years ago, Um, and we had been... Ah oh, man, there was there was it was kind of all starting. You could feel like there were a lot of ins- instances going on in the in the U.S. around us, and there were th- this kind of thing that's been happening over and over this cycle. And on top of that, we had um, we had somebody who was uh, uh, inciting, without naming names, uh, and giving permission in a lot of ways uh, to a lot of these folks that were doing. These things, and and then continued to do that on until uh, most recently when uh, he got voted out, um, and hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, this will be uh, all over this is, uh, soon, uh, and meaning meaning his uh, his his uh, presidency, but we we got together and and said you know this is so much going on if we could write a lullaby to ourselves uh, and what we're, what's going on in our hearts on how to deal with this uh, and, and the friend that we have in music, the, a place of refuge that we have, what would that song sound like? And so that song was literally written as a, a coping mechanism um, to, to everything that was happening and everything we felt like was gonna happen mm-hmm. and did happen uh, for the years following. Um, and it was kind of a song that was a, a little bit of a coping mechanism to kind of it was, it's a little bit of a, a preparation for the worst and saying don't be afraid of it all. You can you can you can weather the storm. It's not going to be easy. I'm here for you. Um, and literally, you know, the the I'm here for you was for me. It was coming from music speaking to me and, and this place of refuge that I've always gotten from music um, and you, so you're totally correct uh, about that um, uh, the timeline of that and what that meant I'd be happy to play that one for you now if, 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 you, if, you, have, if you have the time
0: hey I'd say let's do it I'm not gonna ever turn it down Because that is just such a beautiful song. And I think that it's a really good way to show people how these songs, just in my thought process this morning, what you're kind of giving us now, just really, really work well together. Of like, here's the warning call, but you know what? Here's how we can kind of come together and make this all work. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Well, yeah, I'd be happy to. Here's uh, Let Me Be Your
1: Sunshine. When dark skies fall When rain comes around When the light fades away And the blue skies go gray Don't board up your window Don't hide there alone let me be your sunshine, wherever you go. Take all your burden, take all of your fear. Come out of the shadows and lay down your sorrows. Don't board up your window, don't hide there alone. Let me be your sunshine wherever you go, so hold me close. light for me, I'll be the light for you, and don't be afraid, we'll weather the storm, oh and we'll be alright, with our hearts open wide, Don't board up your window, don't hide there alone, let me be your sunshine wherever you go. Let me be your sunshine wherever you go.
0: What a treat! Oh, <laughs> those got to go next to each other. I just really believe that you got to just—that's just how the set list has to be written. <laughs> oh man! All right,
1: that, that's great, great advice. I'm actually doing a a show in a, a few days for a great little venue here called Hotel Cafe. Uh, we've all been gathering around. Uh, their doors have been shut for eight months, and all this artists have been gathering around them, doing shows, trying to get people to tune in and chip in and support them to hopefully reopen when the time comes. So, uh, I I will do those back to back. Yeah,
0: Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. It makes a lot of sense to me. Um, so as I was kind of going through some of your stuff, um, with the album that you released in 2015 with Reverend Talltree, um, I saw that there was the first thing that I gravitated towards was I saw the Dylan song, everything is broken. Yeah. And then I saw Bad Bad Whiskey. And those were those were just really, really Dylan has always just been such an important person in my life musically. And then Bad Bad Whiskey, I think the first time I heard that was probably the Buddy Guy Junior Wells version. Right. Um and then I, you know, you go back further into blues, which a lot of blues songs are. You got to go back into like the 30s and 40s where you realize where they were actually written. Yeah. But I'm curious, when it comes to these types of songs, what about a song like this does makes you want to do your own version of it?
1: Um, well, I'll tell you, the Reverend Tall Tree that project uh, started. Um, by me wandering into a, a, a blues saloon here in Hollywood, and the bartender saying, Hey, Chris Pierce, man, I, I used to watch you 20 years ago at this little club, and you still do music. <laughs> We're thinking about having music here. We really all these a-
0: people from your past, Chris, they just always yeah. pop up and they're like, I remember you, come up on stage. I'm like, I'm like a, I'm like a din-
1: an LA dinosaur. <laughs> uh, uh,
0: and, uh,
1: and he says, We really want a blues band. And I said, Well, let, let me get one together. And so, that whole project started with we didn't have any songs and and it was like we had to gig the next night and so we started playing covers bad bad whiskey was one of those songs that uh, you know i immediately thought of for the set list to me it, it just exemplifies uh what the blues are and what it's about yeah uh, um whiskey driving me out of my mind Every time I get enough of that stuff I think I'll do it just fine It's not really covered a lot, uh, and it, you're right. The Junior Wells version is is amazing. It's a lot of great versions. That song was actually, I think it was written by a guy from L.A. Uh, in the '40s. I want to say. Yeah. I should know the, the the his name, but I'm blanking. It's too early here, um, <laughs> and I haven't had enough coffee. Um, anyway, but yeah, I I gravitated towards it. Um, so for me, that song having been uh, kind of a, 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 a bit of a standard or a staple in blues. Um, I wasn't that hesitant uh, to cover it. I felt like it would be a great addition to the set. It would be a, a great song to do in, in a live setting and then eventually on the album. Um, Dylan's another story. Uh, it's it's Dylan's, it, touching a Dylan song or a, a Stevie Wonder song. Uh you know, are, 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 examples of those are things you have to really think hard, long and hard about for yeah. me. Um, and there's respect, there's, um, uh, adding something to maybe a, a, a finding something in the music that can maybe add to the conversation mm-hmm. that the songwriter intended. And not take away from it, uh, and not retell it, um, because I don't feel like that's when you're covering a song, especially by by such a, a, a musical hero, uh, somebody that's so highly regarded uh, in your own heart. Yeah, it's not about not. A, it's about an interpretation. It's not about t- telling it, uh, re- retelling it, or well, I would have said this. Uh, it's it's about respectfully uh, trying to add to the conversation that was intended. Oh. Broken lines, broken strings, broken threads, broken springs, broken idols, broken hairs. People sleeping in broken beds. Ain't no use in jogging, ain't no use in choking broken um, uh, And so that song was uh, brought to me by a friend, uh, and uh, he played it for me, uh, and I just fell in love with it, and uh, listened to it over and over and over again, and dissected it, uh, and th- and like really thought deep and long and hard about it probably for weeks uh about it before i even decided that we'd do it and then we did it live a couple times and worked out an arrangement um uh, with slide guitar and kind of a very percussive uh groove yeah um i kind of de- I decided that for me there were certain lyrics that really stood out um and it was uh around uh uh, around the time of the previous election um, is when we started playing. It was before it. It was like leading into it. Okay. Um, and for me, it was like, man, I, I have to do this. Like if Dylan were sitting here, I have to do it in a way that would make him, uh, you know, maybe ho- hopefully raise an eyebrow. Like, oh man, I should listen to this. Um, and I feel like we, we accomplished something that, could add to the conversation I'd like to uh, uh, you know maybe record it or play it again sometime um, and try it out in different ways Um, I feel like what we intended to do we did Um, it's such a great song I feel like it's uh, uh, one of those things where I could now rearrange it and do it a completely different version now that I've gotten kind of Dug deep inside of it, yeah, um, and maybe paid a little more respect uh, in a different way. It's uh, true.
0: It's an interesting song lyrically that he he just he goes off on just everything that could ever possibly break, and yeah, yeah. Starting to think about that in a different style, like starting to think about it in like a slow bluesy waltz or something like that. That would just kind of take it in a whole new direction and feel that would be that'd be an interesting way to go that'd be that'd be fun to do if you ever sat down and did that i'd love to hear it um you did another project with these guys and it was um reverend talltree's blues opera right so yeah. what what's going on with that what what made you write a blues opera <laughs>
1: Well, uh, my friend Mark, who I mentioned earlier that I wrote, it's been burning for a while with, uh, and I have been friends for many years, uh, and he's a script writer, uh, does like TV scripts, mostly kind of uh, uh, stuff that deals with a lot of like history and that kind of stuff, um, like History Channel, uh, AMC, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, um, heavy cat, older, about 20 years, my senior um, and he approached me about, uh, after I started the Reverend Tall Tree band, um, uh, he said, Hey, have you ever thought about doing a, a stage show and making this like, uh, uh, a uh, a character in that way and writing mm-hmm. some songs around who Reverend Tall Tree is? Um, and I said, sure. So over five years, we got together uh, a couple times a month. And wrote this blues opera. It's 21 songs. Uh, it was it's a it's a story for stage. It's 21 all original songs. It it weaves through the tale of a, a street preacher in the Mississippi South uh, who has a very checkered past. Uh, who goes around uh, the way he survives is he does these uh, tent revivals, sings songs, uh, gets people to donate. Um, and his uh a little bit of his intention is a little bit of a hustle but he is a man of god so he believes what he's doing he's like preaching the word and there's a there's a hidden meaning behind everything he's doing okay so so he falls in love uh he wanders into this place called Madame joy's house of the unusually friendly companion and (laughs) falls in love with the woman there uh as you do as you do uh and uh, and uh, it convinces her that, that she should marry him and go on the road with him. Uh, he soon, she soon finds finds out that the a musician's life, a preacher's life, a preacher's wife, uh, is is no place that she wants to be. She cheats with him. She cheats on him with a rich man. He confronts them. Uh, he. Uh, uh, there's, there's, there's murder, <laughs> and that's act one. Um, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> act two goes into him being sorry for it, he loved her, um, uh, he's hiding, he gets caught, he gets hung, he goes to hell, uh, he wakes up and he makes a deal with the devil that uh, if, uh, if he uh, can have another chance, if he can have a chance at redemption, uh, another chance uh, on uh, in in the mor- in his mortal in the mortal coil uh, that uh, maybe he could possibly end up where she is in heaven yeah. and re- be reunited with her to tell her that he uh, is regretful and sorry and that he loves her.
0: Amazing yeah. man! What a what a what a unique gift to be able to have something like that put in front of you and then just get the story out of it i mean it took a long time it's not like you guys just whipped this up like you said 21 songs over about five years it sounds like so i mean but just to be able to weave that together to me to be able to put that narrative together is one thing just to write a story but to do it musically i mean you got a you got a 21 song concept album that is brings you the ups and downs and takes you through the tales and trials and tribulations of this person's life what a what an amazing accomplishment and i'm so uh i look forward to hopefully seeing it one day have you been able to put it out there yet
1: we we put it out we we just started kind of putting it out there when all this started happening that's what i thought
0: we had to get get uh, and
1: so we uh we got in a, in a few theaters and um we we done it at some kind of unconventional places as well uh in california and, and in washington state uh, and oregon and our plan was to try to get it uh out to new york and do it uh off broadway and maybe get some attention there um it's ready to go um we just need to to get through this so we can can do it in front of people and if if that if we're actually toying around with the fact that, or, or the concept of maybe trying to do a just get a black box theater and do some kind of virtual uh show of it uh, yeah. depending on how long we're in this thing and can't be together you know
0: let's hope uh, that that's not too much longer I, I i hope that that voice can hang for six days and twice on sunday hey
1: right <laughs> I, I actually it just it's 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 uh throughout the years it's it's like uh it's like going into the first round is monday for me and i just kind of get warmed up i'm like kind of <laughs> a, i'm uh a, I'm a, one of those uh uh 12 round 12 round boxers
0: <laughs> great I'm glad we caught you in like round seven on a Thursday then um, <laughs> yeah. so speaking of we were kind of talking about Dylan a little bit ago and now the next song that you're gonna play us when yeah. I heard it and you just we're, we're recording this in November so it's gonna be a couple months before we actually release this episode so it'll be out for a couple months by then but this gave me early freewheeling Bob Dylan type. Mm-hmm just those types of feels and the name of this single is american silence which is also the album ep um and we're going to close the show with a live performance of this so these lyrics are really powerful and they seem to really speak to the times that we're in um so yeah what can you tell us about this and i'm excited to hear it
1: well first of all thank you for the the dylan comparison that that's amazing i actually just got a a write-up in rolling stone this week and they Said the same thing uh, along with Richie Havens. Yeah, they uh, about- called me for a quote on that. Yeah, all right. Man. <laughs> I love it as they do. Um, and uh, and both both Rich, Richie Havens and Dylan were were songs that were uh, reverberated through my walls when I was a kid. Um, both my parents. I kind of feel like you know, uh, uh, just voices of of generations, not a generations or generations and and we talked of earlier about songs that just the the responsibility of songwriters to, to be open and pull from places that aren't necessarily comfortable, places where compartmentalized feelings may be, and to also be a voice of of uh, of uh, activism. Um uh, yeah. And, and, and to try to put things out that prompt people to do things and both Dylan and Havens. Uh, both are both masters of that. Richie passed years ago, uh, unfortunately. But this last piece, piece that Dylan put out uh, whew, a little while ago just floored me. Um, but I wanted to write a song that spoke to people uh, directly that could possibly prompt folks to Uh, be a part of conversation of greater good uh, to not be complacent to, to not be a part of social justice when it's only when it's uh, popular to do so, Mm -hmm. um, uh, to make it a part of their lives. So that's where this song came from. And the, the album that's coming out deals with all kinds of things. There's a song about the building of the, the, Transcontinental Railroad, yeah, with the Chinese workforce. Um, if you haven't heard the whole album, I'll send it to you. Um, Please, there's a songs about uh, there's a song about the uh, uh, incarceration and uh, how we're dealing with that. There's songs about Native American boarding schools, uh, and our history with that. Uh, song about homelessness. Um, and it kind of just goes through, you know, a Real but empathetic view in hopes of of change. I think is what this album, in a nutshell,
0: yeah, um, is.
1: So yeah, this is American Silence, Corey. Love it. Yeah. Will you rise up when your comfort is in jeopardy? Will you resist justifying the complexities? Is simplicity convenient in your quest to pacify? When you look in the mirror, can you see your own disguise? Can we sing a song for you? Will music move your heart and mind? Will our song arrest you? American silence is a crime. We see the music move you as you lay your burden down. We feel the music grip you as your heart is soaked in sound. And when the song is over, if you decide to clap aloud, Will your applause mean anything with stitches on your mouth? Can we sing a song for you? Will music move your heart and mind? Will our song arrest you? American silence is a crime. For the freedom we fight for all it's worth we sing for humanity so we can all walk the earth we sing with honor so we can sing another song we sing through the pain and we'll keep on marching on can we sing a song for you oh will music move your heart and mind. Will our song arrest you? American silence. American silence. American silence.
0: Bravo, man. Bravo. Chris but, Pierce, I, I cannot thank you enough. Just coming on, sharing some of these stories, really just giving it to us. And tell, just, I'm so happy that, that the, the Korn brothers introduced me to you. You've been singing songs in my ears for the last few days and it's going to continue. Please send me that new album. I cannot wait to hear it. And, um, and all continued success to you, my man.
1: Thank you, Corey. Thank you for all you do and shining your light on on music and musicians and songs. And uh, man, it's so important what you're doing. And uh, it's it's really, really pleasure to be with you and speak with you and play with you today.